salvation and the aspects of what salvation means and um, really digging out some, some key components and really teaching the word of God um, so that we have a better understanding of what salvation is. Um, and I just want to go re go back over a couple of things and, and, and talk with you and see where you're, where you're at with what we have discussed over the last couple of weeks because um, I pray tonight will be the last installment of this teaching on tonight, all right? Um, we said um, that from the onset of this that we believe that salvation is a gift of God that is received by man through personal faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for sin. Number two, we believe that man is justified by grace through faith apart from works. Um, and number three, we believe that all true believers, once saved, are kept secure in Christ forever. That is the foundation of what we believe here at the Freedom Church. And so I want to make sure that we are staying true to that in everything that we've been teaching over the last couple of weeks. On last week, and I need you to talk back um, because we're going to, I want to kind of just go back over a few things that we did on last week. We talked about God's solution and provision for salvation, and we laid out a few principal concept of why Jesus Christ had to die. Um, number one, we said that in order, um, Christ Jesus had to die in order to pay the wages of sin that we have earned. Y'all remember that? Okay. Um, that our sin must be paid for. So Christ redeemed us. Okay. Meaning that he brought us with a, with a price, uh, bought us with a price. Now, what he, what did he redeem us from? What did he redeem us from? We talked about this on last week. What did uh, Jesus Christ's sacrifice redeem us, buy us back from? Anybody remember? There was something in particular that he redeemed us from. The curse of the law. Thank you. The curse of the law. Why is the law cursed? What would you say? Because you can't keep all of them. You can't keep all of them. All right? Y'all remember that? Okay. So the, the, the in the Bible it says if you break one you've broke them all okay you remember that all right all right so he saved us from the punishment which our sins deserve number two we said uh jesus christ had to die in order for the new covenant to take effect the new covenant to take effect um it is the promise that god makes with humanity that he will forgive sin and restore fellowship with those whose hearts are turned toward him the old covenant required what what did the old covenant require blood of what animals what else did the old law re require sacrifice same thing as blood what what else did it require there was something spe specific that it required it required y'all ready strict obedience to the law strict obedience to the law the law required that israel would perform daily sacrifices in order to atone for the sins of the people the new covenant uh, is no longer under the law but now we are under what grace thank you for answering that quickly jesus becomes a mediator between god and us to atone for our sins we don't need to come in church and bring um uh doves and goats and bulls we don't have to do that anymore why because jesus christ died once and for all all right um, so then because his blood sacrifice paid the price all right and gave us a new covenant that is under grace all right number three we said that in order jesus christ had to die that in order that we might receive the adoption of what sons all right the adoption of sons um what was so specific or particular about being a this adoption term in, in that time. What did adoption mean? What did adoption mean? 
you were heirs. That's very good. You were heirs. You had the right, okay? You had the right. And Jesus alone, I said this statement last week, and I don't think many of you realize this, but Jesus alone is the son of God from birth, the only son of God from birth. But he consents to share his kinship and his inheritance with us, all right? My sin made me a child of the devil, but my salvation made me a child of God, okay? right? And Jesus shares with us in that inheritance. Number four, we said in order that he might deliver us from this present world system. Number five, we said in order that he might bring us back to God. So what was the death of Jesus Christ for us? Number one, we said it was what? Redemption. Everybody say redemption. And I gave you three different Greek words, three different definitions for redemption. The first one was to what? To buy or pay a price for something, all right? It's to pay a price for something which our sins demanded so that we could be redeemed. The second uh, definition was to purchase out of the what? The market. Purchase out of the market, all right? And uh, uh, because before salvation, we were what? Slaves to what? To sin. And it dominated our total being, and we were in bondage. But Christ's death not only paid the price for sin, but also removed us from the marketplace of sin. In other words, we will never be put up for sale as slaves to sin again. Right? We will never be put up uh, for sale again. And the last definition for redemption was what? To loose or set free. All right? It is to be released and set free in the fullest sense uh, because a ransom has been, has been paid. The shedding of Christ's blood uh, and, and believers have been purchased and removed from the bondage and liberated. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm free. You just say that with strength. I need you to look at your neighbor and say it like you really mean it. Say, I'm free. All right, so the number one thing was redemption. Number two was what? What's that word? Come on, y'all better know it. Propitiation. Some of y'all. <laughs> Propitiation. Propitiation. Propitiation literally means what? Mercy seat or covering, okay? And it gave the imagery of what? The lid of the Ark of the Covenant that was solid gold, two cherubims that faced each other, and they looked down on it. Remember we talked about this? And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would sprinkle blood on the lid for the sins of the people. When God saw the blood, he would extend mercy instead of justice. Why? Because something has to die in order for something else to live. Okay, uh, his justice was satisfied when he saw the blood. So instead of God seeing the law, he saw the blood. And because he saw the blood and not the law, what happens? He extends mercy. Propitiation means literally, it, uh, when you boil it all down, it means to appease or to what? Satisfy God. It means that God is appeased. He's satisfied. In other words, what does that mean? He ain't angry with you no more. It was storming outside. Did lightning strike you? Did you sin today? Come up here, you demon that said no, you didn't sin today. You just sinned right there, lying wonder. Okay? All right? The reality is that lightning didn't strike you. Why? Because God ain't angry at you no more. You get struck by lightning, it was written in his will. 
okay? He just, you know, he just, hey, that's the way he wanted you to come, all right? All right. Um, and because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, uh, the blood of Christ propitiated or satisfied God. In other words, God turned aside his wrath and enables him to receive into his family those who place their faith in the ones who satisfied him. The barrier which sin built between God and man is now broken down. Ain't no barrier anymore. So God has been satisfied. Um, so we don't have to spend time trying to outdo the bad things we have done with good. In fact, I could never do enough good to make up for the bad I've done. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time. I could never do enough good to make up for the bad I've done. I know some of y'all sit in church right now because you think that's going to count to your good marks against your bad marks. But I could never do enough good to outdo my bad. I've been bad. I ain't got no real saints in here. See, I love saints because y'all come in here, y'all play, y'all act like y'all so holy and y'all so together. And I ain't on Facebook right now, and I know it's a mess going on because the pastor ain't on there. But because um, I know when I'm on there, y'all at least think about it for a minute. And I'm going to talk about I got to preach on that. I got to preach on that. The Lord gave me a word about that, too. Because the Lord said you ain't got much salvation if the only way you can stay holy is if your preacher watching. I'm going to leave that right there. Go home with that one. So uh, the Lord said that to me. He messed me up a couple of days ago. He messed me up with that one. Watch this. And so um, I can never do enough good to outdo the bad. So I have to be settled in the fact that Jesus Christ settled it on the cross for me. He did something for me I couldn't do for myself. Because even when I do the good, I'm going to turn around and do some bad all over again. Ooh, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look good. But you bad up under all that. Yeah, yeah, you bad up under all that. With the good wig, you bad up under that wig. With the good Mac, you bad up under that Mac. With the good uh, good outfit you got on, you bad. There's bad up under there. There's, ba there's bad up under there. I said there's bad up under there. And for some of you, it ain't up under nothing. It's on the top. It's on the top. Anyway. So Jesus satisfied everything on the cross. Um, so number one, it was what? Redemption. Number two, it was what? Propitiation number three, it was what? Reconciliation. Reconciliation means bringing together those who were opposed to each other. To reconcile means to change from enmity to friendship. I'm a friend of God now. I'm no longer alienated from God. But now, I, because I am saved, I'm brought into fellowship with God. How are we reconciled? I said this on last week. Forgiveness is given. We are justified by faith. And grace is extended. That's how I'm reconciled to God. Uh, forgiveness is given. He got to forgive me if he's going to be my friend. You know, I know we don't understand that because you're friends with people you hate. But the reality is that uh, the, the reality is that God had to forgive us in order for, to be friends with us. Okay? The Bible says there's no shadow in turning in him. Black or white. There's no in-between. So he can't, he's either I'm going to hate you or I'm going to love you. There's no in-between. We got maybe, I don't know how I feel. No, I'm so grateful to God that God loves me with a definite love. I'm so grateful that even when I act crazy and I act foolish and I say I ain't going to do it and I do it again, he don't disconnect his love for me. He keeps loving me even in the mess, in, the, in my foolishness and in my mess. I know ain't nobody glad about that. I mean, come on. Some of you, you said you was going to trust God. You was going to be faithful to him. You was going to serve him. And you didn't. You wasn't trustworthy. You didn't wasn't faithful. And you walked away from him. And what can separate me from the love of God? I love that. And so he says, because of that, forgiveness is given. We are justified, justified by faith. I'm going to talk about that tonight. And grace is extended. Re reconciliation means God is not our enemy. Okay? And so uh, number one is what? Redemption. Number two? Number three? 
Here's number four, substitution. Substitution means in place of or in the stead of another. Christ was our substitute who took our place. He bore our sins, who paid the penalty that we deserve. We should have been on that cross. I said we should have been, been on that cross. It means that what uh, 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 substitution means that because it happened to Christ, it don't have to happen to me. So because he took on the pain and the punishment of the sin for me, I don't have to take on the pain and the punishment of it. Okay? Um, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, I gave you this scripture. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might be, become what? The righteousness of God. We deserve to be on the ones placed on that cross because we are the ones who lived a sinful life. Christ lived a sinless life, but he took our place. I was guilty, but he took on the penalty for me. I was the one that was wrong, but he was the one that paid the price for me. And I'm grateful to God. And why was he the perfect substitute? Number one, because he was what? He was a man. He was a man. Number two, he was what? Sinless. And number three, he was an infinite God. All right? He's the only 200% person that ever lived. Only 200%. Let me say that right. He was the only 200% person that ever walked the face of this earth. He was 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. And because he was 100% God and 100% man, he was the one that could take it on and become my substitute. Why was it important that God had to be man? He had to understand our struggle, but go even deeper than that. Why was it, why him being a substitute, why did he have to be man in order to do that? I, I don't want to answer that because I'm going to give it away. <laughs> um, why, did, why was it important that he had to be man? Why did he have to come in the flesh? I got that, but what else? Huh? But why would he have to be man? I mean, if God is all-powerful, why couldn't he just say, okay, save? Say what now? Man had to die because man sinned, right? Okay, keep going with that. So let's push that a little bit further. That is true. Keep going with that. So what was it about him having to die? Because he had no sin. Why did he not have any sin? He was fully divine. Okay. He was born. Thank you. That's where I was headed. He was born without sin. You were born in sin. Yo, great, 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 granddaddy Adam introduced something into the world that was passed down from the seed of a woman. It was the sin nature that was passed down from Adam. You came out the womb sinful. Nobody had to teach you how to steal. Nobody had to teach you how to lie. Nobody had to teach you how to gossip. It was in you. Why? Because when, sat, when Adam sinned, that sinful nature now was passed down from Adam and Eve down to all the way to you and I. But when Jesus Christ came in the flesh, born of a virgin, and she was overshadowed by who? The Holy Spirit. That's God's seed. That ain't man's seed no more. It was a divine seed. 
And so now that he is 100% man and 100% God, he was the one that could pay the price for us and lived, lived a sinless life because he knew we couldn't get it together. Look at your neighbor and say, I can't get it together. I, I can't get it together. I'm trying, but, so, you know, some days, some days. And I need somebody that's divine that's able to do something for me I couldn't do for myself. Do y'all get that? Y'all get that? Good. All right. I didn't teach that. I wanted you to think. <laughs> I wanted you to think. I don't want you to have a, a religion or a faith that is just uh, what the pastor said. I need you to think as well. You don't come to church just to shout. You also come to church to think. All right. And so I need you to think through these terms so you understand what it means. All right. All right. So let's go to the next part on tonight. And I'm going to finish this off on tonight prayerfully. I want to talk about what are the benefits of salvation. What are the benefits of salvation? What are the benefits of salvation? So proud of y'all coming up midweek tonight. Amen. You didn't let the, uh, the cloud detour you from the house of God. Praise the Lord. Bless God. You didn't come through the storm. Came through the rain. Got cloudy. But you kept on coming. And thanks be unto God. You made it to the house of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you made it. You made it. You made it. All right. So what are the benefits of salvation? Here's number one, and I pray I get off this one point. Just being honest. I have been literally, I have been trying not to really deal with this part right here because I get worked up with, on this one little point, okay? Because this thing messed up my whole entire faith when I discovered what it was. I really did. It messed up my whole entire faith. It messed up the way that I saw God because I came from a very... Um, Pentecostal holiness judgmental background that always taught if I sin it disconnected my salvation and so I got saved like 17 times I kept you know and when I found this out and I saw it I was like wait a minute it changed my whole perspective on who God is okay um, what is the benefit of salvation number one justification justification all right justification means that a person is pronounced just and treated as righteous is a person that is announced or uh, pronounced just and treated as righteous Say that one more time so you hear that real good. Justification means that a person is pronounced just and treated as righteous. Okay? It is the act of God not only forgiving the believer's sins, but imputing to him the righteousness of Christ. I'm going to break all that down in a minute. Just stay with me. It is a judicial declaration from God that when a believing sinner, uh, beca uh, because a believing sinner to be righteous and acceptable before him because Christ has bore the sinner's sin on the cross and it becomes to us righteousness, okay? What are you saying, pastor? What I'm saying is this. In the courtroom of God, when you stand before God and your sins should condemn you, Jesus Christ stands up as your defense attorney 
Satan is on the other side trying to get you sentenced. He's trying to get you prosecuted. And Jesus stands up in front of God, who is the judge, and says, I know they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. I know they got crumbs around their mouth. I know they gained all that weight eating all them cookies. I know. But daddy judge, look at my hands. I have already paid the price for how they messed up. And what justification does, watch this, then God the judge raises his gavel, hits it, and says, they're not guilty. Now watch this. It is a judicial declaration, okay, for the believing sinner. Now let me tell you what's wrong with the church nowadays. Church folk don't like that word sinner because we don't want to be a sinner. The reality is, watch this, we don't like that word sinner. But here's, here's what you need to understand. Jesus died for sinners, not for saints. You missed that. Jesus died for sinners, not for saints. He died for sinners, for people that are screw-ups and mess-ups and they miss the mark and can't get it together. He did not die for people that are perfect. He died for the imperfect. Okay? He didn't die for the righteous. Jesus Christ died for sinners. And you need to give God glory that you are a sinner that is saved by grace. See, we don't like that. We don't like that kind of talk because, watch this, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get to this and I'm going to come off of it, I'm going to get to it, I'm going to come off of it. Here's what I've discovered about the saints. Because we walk, walk in so much pride, we don't like that word sinner. Because your pride tells you, watch this, you can't reconcile how is it that you are a sinner saved by grace or how is it that you are a sinner but you that educated. Come here. You can't understand how you are a sinner but you that cute. You, it messes with us the fact that we can be so awful on one side and be so wonderful on the other side, but we think that the wonderfulness is supposed to outdo the awfulness. And God is saying, watch this, I didn't die for people that had it all together. I died for people that are screw-ups. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Go to Romans 3, 23 and 24. We have read it before. We need to read it again. Romans 3, 23 and 24. died for sinners. He didn't die for the saints. He didn't, he didn't die for the righteous. He died for the unrighteous to make them righteous. Romans 3, 23 and 24. Now you know Romans 3 and 23. You know it well, but I need to go to the next part of this, all right? Romans 3, 23 and 24. If you haven't, say amen. I need to wait on anybody. All right. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Look at verse number 24. And all are justified freely. Everybody say freely. freely. By his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Watch this. Paul uses this word freely to indicate, catch this, we're talking about justification, to indicate that you did not pay for it nor could you earn it. 
You could not pay for justification, nor could you ever earn justification. It is freely given to you. This is important, ladies and gentlemen, because if you understand what Jesus Christ did on the cross came to you freely, then your praise would change from what you get to what he did. Let me say that all over again. If you understood that what he did on that cross came to you at no cost, no expense to yourself, but he did it freely for you, then your praise would change from what he did to uh, from what you get to what he did. Because there's so many people in the body of Christ, all we're concerned about is what we get. You get a house, you get a car, you get a man, you get a job, you shout all over church, you good, you happy, you Gucci, everything is wonderful, you great, you just, you know, your gravy is coming out your ears you just as smiling from ear to ear just as happy as you can be and everything is wonderful God help me come on we, we see it all the time I see it all the time as a pastor people get stuff and you just as wonderful you riding high and everything is great and that's when sometimes your praise is the greatest but when hell comes knocking at your door all of a sudden it disconnects who God is and what he means to you in your life honey he is God without the house without the car without the job without a man without a woman see he's still God and because he still God my praise does not stop just because my situation didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to work out is there anybody in here that say I'm maturing to the place that my praise is not predicated on what I get from God but that my praise is predicated on what he did for me on Calvary because when I think about what he did for me that leaves me in a praise see we're too fickle we're too common we, we look for the simple stuff you know, simple stuff, get our goats now. You know? I ain't never seen saints that have so much joy until they're getting ready to go on a trip. I ain't never seen saints with so much joy. Just, just joy down in your soul. Because you've been single for a long time and all of a sudden somebody calling your phone now. I never seen people. I don't care nothing about y'all tonight. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I, I, I you know, I, I never seen people with so much, so much adoration and so much just exuberance and just, just falling all over yourself because, because you got, you know, you know, they raise your, your, your rate to fifty cents more an hour. As if that is the indication that God is pleased with you. God help me as if that's an indication that God is with you because a door opened for you let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen the Bible says that he reigns on the just and the unjust so guess what just because a door opened it don't mean that God is pleased with me I know God is pleased with me when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ one day and I know that my sins are forgiven and because the blood has washed it all away that's how I know God is pleased with me he ain't pleased with me because I got a new car he ain't pleased with me because I got a new house. He is pleased with me because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. My, I, he is pleased with me because I'm going to be with him forever. And is there anybody in here that can give God just a little bit of praise because you know that God is pleased with you because you are saved. He says freely justified. Freely justified. I, I made right in his, I'm pronounced right in, in his eyes. Watch this, freely. I'm no longer a criminal. I'm no longer an offense to God. God help me right there. 
I, I'm no longer, I'm no longer an object of God's wrath. Help me, Jesus. I, 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 I am in a position now where he declares me to be found not guilty. The verdict is out on my life, and he declared me to be not guilty. See, we have to get that because if you don't get that, you will be always trying to tell yourself how wonderful you are. You will live in this state of, you know, we live in a time in a period now of self-help that is self-help that helped us out of the will of God for Christians. Because now, you, you know, you're supposed to get in the mirror and say, you know, I'm wonderful, I'm great, I'm smart, I'm kind, I'm important, and I'm, you know. We live in a self-help generation now where all you got to do is look into, listen to a podcast and you are so wonderful and you are so great. You feel like you could conquer the world because you didn't listen to somebody else's words. And, and now that gives you validation of who you are. But you were validated before you even listened to the podcast. You were who you were the righteous. You were the head and not the tail before anybody ever told you that you were a good person. Come on. You got to realize who you are in Jesus Christ. Because if I don't have, if my phone dies on me and I'm going through hell, if it's myself who I think of myself and how I feel about myself based upon what comes out of my phone or is who I am based upon what God says about me because what God says about me is a whole lot better than trying to wait on validation from somebody else I need to know is there anybody in here that say if you never say I'm great and you never say I'm wonderful you never say I'm ahead and you never say I'm gonna be this and be that I know for myself because God has already spoken over my life and I don't need anybody's validation for me to be who God said I can be. See, we got to get that. We got to get that. Now, what is this concept of justification? The concept means to, watch this, I, I've been saying this wrong for years, and I need to correct something. I've been saying this wrong for years. I always said that, that justifica justification makes you righteous. That is not true. Watch this. Justification announces you righteous because that's why after we've been justified we still sin do you see that now because when you say make righteous then now in your mind you're thinking well why am I still struggling with this <laughs> you know I remember one time I, um, I, I'm <laughs> there have been periods through the life of this church where I, I'll tell you to touch your name and say tell them I am the righteousness of God and some of y'all be so scared. Justification is not make, does not make you righteous. It announces you righteous. It is a courtroom concept. Watch this. So that to justify is to give the verdict of righteous. It is to contrast justification with condemnation. Okay? Because when a person commits a crime, either you send them to jail or you set them free. Now, there are times where people who, um, um, I know everybody is looking at that Netflix, uh, what is it, when they see us, right? And so uh, they were pronounced guilty, and they were actually free, right? Um, but there are times where sometimes it works in the reverse, where they're actually innocent, okay? But they're found guilty, okay? And they are pronounced guilty. And what happens when you're pronounced guilty? You go to jail. You get that? Watch this. Justification means he announces you as not guilty. It don't mean the evidence that corroborates the fact that you were really there and that you really did it 
and that was you. Is that not you? That's not, that's not you. That's your, you know, that's your size. That's your weight. That's your, you know, that's your eye color. That's your hair on that day. That's you, that, you know, that was, that was you. Was that not you? And what he's saying is justification don't mean, watch this, that all of a sudden that ain't you no more. What it means is I'm just going to ignore that because somebody already paid the price for it and I'm going to announce you as righteous. Touch your neighbor and say, you've been announced righteous. In, in, in other words, you guilty. I'm guilty. We guilty. But because of his great love for us, he announces us as not guilty. So why do we need to be justified? So glad you asked me. Why do we need to be justified? Because everyone was born condemned. Why do we need to be justified? Because everyone was born condemned. Shaping in sin. You're born in sin, shaping in iniquity. You, everyone was born condemned. That's why you need to be justified. That's why you need to be made right with your wonderful self. You just so wonderful. Can't tell you nothing. Your stuff don't stink. You just got it all together. It, it, you know what? In fact, everybody else is the problem. You know, if everybody would just get out of my way while I'm driving down the street. If my coworkers would just leave me alone for eight hours. Come on, this is how we think, because you're just so wonderful. You know, you don't never do nothing wrong. You know? You know? Everyone was born condemned. Why was everyone born condemned? Because all have sin, all are born into sin, and we will commit sin. See that? All have sin, we are born into sin. And we will commit sin. Mm -hmm. Go to Ephesians, the second chapter, verse number one through three. Ephesians 2, verse number one through three. Ephesians 2, verse number one through three. Everybody say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Ephesians 2, verse number 1 through 3. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse number 1 through 3. Here we go. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. How many know our flesh can be passionate? You know, oh, let, me, let me break that down. Because that passion right there is a word that means out of control. <laughs> Have, has, your, has your flesh ever been out of control? I mean, I, I mean, just out of control. You, you ever had the moments in your life just out of control? Not one scoop of ice cream. The whole tub. Not one chip. Not two chips. The whole bag. Come on. Uh-huh. Not one boyfriend. Uh, okay. Um, somebody say out of control. Uh-huh. 
He says, among whom, verse number three, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We focus on that body, but what about our mind? The desires of our mind. Come on, you just didn't fall into that. You thought that up. Ooh, how many of you know you could think up some good sins sometimes? Come on, the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Can't get along with nobody. Fussing with everybody. Always walking in offense. You offended by everything. Somebody speak to you, you offended. Somebody don't speak to you, you offended. Children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Can I tell you something? You know what he's saying? No matter how innocent you look, if you never cuss, if you never smoked a cigarette, you never told something, uh, stole something, you still a sinner. See, we got to be careful about trying to mark sins as one greater than the other. Because it will put you in a place of pride where you'll tell yourself, well, I, at least I ain't like that. You might not be like that, but you're doing something. And if you didn't do it, you thought it. Come on, you thought it. Come on. Some of us know it ain't your body parts that need to be washed. It's your mind. It's your mind. It's your mind. Because your imagine runs away with you. You are still a condemned person in the eyes of God. Go to Romans, the third chapter. Romans 3, verse number 10 through 11. I'm 10, 10, 10 through 12. Romans 3, 10 through 12. Romans 3, 10 through 12. Romans 3, 10 through 12. You ready? As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Let me, let me break that down a little bit further. What he's saying is, no matter how good you try to be, you still ain't no good. Grab the hand of your neighbor. Grab the hand of your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I love you, but we ain't no good. No, see, here's the problem with some of us. You don't believe that. Because you got a, a group of people around you that tell you how wonderful you are. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that sometimes we insulate ourselves with what we want to hear. We live in a day and time where it's subjective truth now. You pick the news you want to hear. So if I want to hear a certain type of news, I go to Fox. And if I want to hear another type of news, I go to MSNBC. Because now truth is subjective based upon the one who's telling it. But God is saying, let me be clear about something. I don't care who in your ear, you still ain't no good. You will never be no good without me. No good. No count. Low down. Rebellious as you want to be ruthless as you can be come on i need I, I need for us to get this because if we don't get this you can't understand the greatness of what justification does i was no good i mean i'm to my core rotten rotten i said rotten i said rotten rotten to my core raised rotten <laughs> trifling as can be come on april raggedy as i want to be he says watch this 
you were not good. You know what that not good means? You ready for this? I need you to see the deeper revelation of this. It means you were condemned to die, condemned to go to hell, and condemned to be separated from God permanently. Let me say that all again. That's what that no good means. It means you were condemned to die, condemned to go to hell, and condemned to be separated from God permanently. Let me very, be very clear for you. Because some of you heard that uh, condemned to go to hell and don't realize that ain't the worst hell. The worst hell is, watch this, when you are separated from God permanently. Do y'all see that? In other words, you call to him and there is no answer. You seek him and he turns his back on you. Why do you think what happened to Jesus Christ on the cross was so awful? Because when he called out to his father, his father didn't say anything. In other words, God had to turn his back completely on his son because the sin of the world was on his son at that very moment. Because sin creates separation. But because I am justified, everybody say I'm justified. If I ask anything according to his will, he will hear me. God, that helps, that helps me right there. Because I'm justified. Not because I got it right. Not because I'm wonderful. Not because I got it straight. But because God died, Jesus died on that cross and I have been justified. I've been declared not guilty. That when I call on Abba Father, he comes on and sees about me. Is there anybody here grateful to God that God justified you? And when he justified you, now he hears your prayers ask anything according to his will, he will hear me. I love that. I love that. You know why I love that? If, if he will hear me, it didn't say he'll give me what I asked. <laughs> You'll catch that when you get home. Read that in first John. So let's talk about the process of justification. How do you, how are you justified? What's the process of justification? How, what's the process of justification? Here we go. It is through grace. It's through grace. Okay. Grace I need to be clear about this so you understand this at a deeper level. Grace is not a, um, grace is not some pseudo term that you use to apply to different things. Let me, let me break this down. Grace is actually a person. Yeah. Grace is actually a person. Grace is Jesus. You see that? How'd you get grace? Through Jesus. Okay? The basis of justification is the death of Jesus Christ. Okay? Go to 2 Corinthians 5, 19. I want you to see this. How do you get justified? It is through the death of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. Thank you, because I'm cold. 2 Corinthians 5.19. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5.19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in who? In Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, what he's saying is, watch this, and he uh, uh, not counting people's sins against them. That's the richness of that text. Not counting people's sins against them. My sins should have been counted against me. But when you are justified, your sins are not counted against you. In other words, he did not allow my sins to interfere with his grace. My sin should have disconnected something 
but justification means he did not allow my sins, my wretchedness to interfere with his grace. Many of us, let me put it like this, many of us are afraid to worship God because of the kinds of sins that we have committed in our lives. But the grace of God is greater than all of our sins. See, this changes the way you worship God because when you realize that your sins have been covered, that there is nothing that God says that you can do that can disconnect you out of my hand, God is saying, watch this, why won't you give me free worship and free praise? I know what you did. I already paid the price for it. I know how you messed up. I already, I already covered. It's covered. It's covered. Why would you go into a store to pay for something that's already been paid for? And some of us don't realize the reason why you shut down your praise is because you are telling yourself, well, I know I did this and I know I did that, so I can't lift my hands like that and I can't worship God like that. No, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand the reason why some of us are praising like we done lost our mind is because we know what we have done. We know our track record. We know how we messed up. And because the grace of God covered all that, honey, I'm going to bless his name at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know what I've discovered? Sometimes the people with the greatest praise got the most mess behind them but is there anybody in here that say I give God all the glory and all the praise not because I'm wonderful not because I'm great but because I've been forgiven and because I've been forgiven and justified I freely worship him and I freely honor him and I freely praise him reconciliation covers all sins it's based on the work that Jesus accomplished on Calvary okay um, it's not based on your goodness. Not based on um, if the pastor like you. It's not based on your prayer partner. Not based on your great grandmama who you love. It is based on the work that Jesus accomplished on Calvary. Romans 5, 8 and 9. Romans 5, 8 and 9. justification is through grace Romans 5 8 and 9 I'm sorry yeah Romans 5 8 and 9 but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us he didn't wait till you sin in order to die you were already a sinner but watch this he didn't wait for you to sin in order for him to for you to for him to die he died before your sin even happened he knew we was gonna be a mess he knew the sin you're gonna commit in two days from now he already knew it. He, it was already in the plan. He knew. Philip, yeah, he going to, mm-hmm. So it's already in my plan. Watch this. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Here's the next process. First one is through, is what? Through foot? Through, through what? Through grace, all right? Here's the next one. Justification saves us from God's wrath. Justification saves us from God's wrath. Without being justified, I'm an object of God's wrath. See, this goes back to being a sinner again. I'm an object of God's wrath. My unholiness is completely against his holiness. My unrighteousness is completely against his righteousness. I was born an enemy of God. My nature, my fallen nature is anti-God. 
Come on, y'all know sometimes we struggle with pleasing God because there's something on the inside of us that just want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. There's something on the inside of us that want to tell God no. See, see, this this is what the saints need to hear. Let me tell you why you need to hear this. This, this This is what the saints need to hear. Because don't get fooled up with people on Sunday morning crying. Because sometimes the cry on Sunday morning was the breaking they had to go through in order for God to get you to a yes. Because in your nature was a no. <laughs> so he had to make sure they broke up with you. He had to make sure you lost the job. He had to make sure you didn't get the promotion. He had to make sure that he closed that door. Because he was going to get that yes out of you one way or the other. Woo! God, y'all don't like this kind of teaching right here because I serve a God that when it's in his will, he'll do whatever he got to do. He'll move who he need to move. He'll put in who who he need to put in. That's why they hired that person, sat them right next to you to get on your nerves every single day because God wanted a yes out of your butt. But because you kept telling him no and you walked around with an attitude for six months, here you are on the altar crying your eyes out, saying, yes, Lord, I surrender. God said you could have said that six months ago if you would have just obeyed my will in the first place. But is there anybody here that say, I I ain't got time to be struggling with the will of God anymore. My answer is yes. See, y'all don't like that right there. Y'all don't like that right there. Oh, he will shut it down. He will shut it down. I promise you. I serve a God that when your when God's hand is on your life, God will do whatever he got to do. And let me tell you something. He is not manipulated by our tears. He could care less about how much you cry. He could care less about how much you fall out. He could care less about any of that. You could be in your house saying, I'll just give up. I'm tired of walking away. And God looking at you like, now when you done. (laughs) Am I talking to any real people right there that know what I'm talking about? See, sometimes, God, I thank you for this. This thing is messing me up right through here. Sometimes a no saved your life. Good God from on high. Is there anybody in here that say, sometimes a no from God saved my life? Because if he would have said yes, I would have been wiped away. I would have been broke by now. I would have been strung out by now. I would have been broken by now. But I thank God for every time he told me no, and I had to wrestle with his will because a no from God brought me to a place that eyes have not seen and ears have not get. Do I have any Christians here on tonight that say I thank God for every time he told me no so I had to surrender to his will okay so we are born anti-God and Jesus died on that cross to keep the wrath of God away from me truth is I should have been cut down a long time ago but he didn't allow me to die in my sins he chose me, and I'm, a, and I'm appreciative for it. He chose me when others didn't want God. And even though he knows the worst about me, he still declares me not guilty. Ain't that a mess? He knows the worst about me and still declares me not guilty. He knows the worst about me, and he still declares me not guilty. He knows the worst. <laughs> I mean the worst. Not this church face. Not, 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 not the put on face that we do at work. He knows the worst about me. Not the fake us in the first six months of a relationship. He knows the worst about us. Oh, I came shooting today. I don't care. <laughs> no. Watch this. 
when God justifies, you might need to write this down. When God justifies, he charges the sin of man to Christ. When God justifies, he charges the sin of man to Christ. took my sins and he put them on Jesus. He took my nastiness and he put it on Jesus. He took my lowdown, depraved, ugly, twisted behavior and put it on Jesus. And I got something in return. When you're justified, he takes your nastiness, puts it on Jesus. Watch this. And you get something in return. I got something in return. He took my nastiness and he gave me Jesus' righteousness. Okay? Everybody say imputed. I-M-P-U-T-E-D. Imputed. This brings up a theological term called imputed righteousness. Okay? Imputed righteousness, which goes along with justification, simply means because I believe by faith, it is counted to me as righteousness. It means my account is in the negative. And God's righteousness is added to my account, and it brings me to infinity. Did you get that? Because I believe by faith. Where does that come from? It's not in my notes, but I need to teach this for a minute. Abraham. He told Abraham, because you believed me by faith, I'll impute righteousness to you. Okay? Um, what God is saying is, I'm going to bring your, your account that is in the negative. Because the sins that you have committed keeps you in the negative. You in the red. In, I, I, you know, I know you don't want to tell this right now, but anybody had an account in the negative before? <laughs> anybody saw that, that, that negative sign and the parentheses and it's red? And, and, and what happens, watch this, is that they don't just bring it to the negative but then they charge you a fee on top of it to punish you for the fact that you're in the negative. Catch the revelation. That's what the enemy does to you. You, you sin, and it brings you into the negative. But then he puts a surcharge on it because he didn't tell you that along with the sin, pain was going to come with it. And God is saying, watch this, what I'm going to do if you believe by faith, that I am who I, who I say I am, I'm going to impute, I'm going to count it to you as righteousness. But when you look at that term, it does not mean he just brings you up to zero. Now, I know that when your account was in the negative, you just wanted it to be up to zero. Because at least when our next check come, I'll be all right. But God is saying, I don't just bring you back to zero, I take you to infinity. Because I know along the way, you're going to sin again. And I got to make sure that your account is so full that whatever you do, it's already covered. God, help me. Is there anybody in here that's grateful to God that your sins are already covered, that my nastiness is already covered, my mistakes are already covered? I need somebody here to give God just a little bit of praise because it's already covered. Okay. And I couldn't be, watch this, ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't be good enough to deserve it. Because it's not for good boys, it's for bad boys like me. It's not for good girls, 
this, this justification ain't for good girls. It's for bad girls just like you. You know you're a bad girl. Look at your neighbor telling you're a bad girl. You're a bad man. Come on. Come on. Come on. You're a bad boy. You're a bad girl. Come on. Shift your praise. Shift your praise. Watch this from, I got the house. I got the car. I got the job. Shift it over to, I'm low down, but I'm still justified. God help me. I, 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 see, I'm not wonderful without him. See, there's no goodness of my own that I could ever do. I, he is the one that makes me who I am. He is the one that makes me who I can be. He is the one that works on me and, and purges me and purifies me. He's the one that put, makes me who, who I could be that I can never be on my own. And thanks be unto God. That's why I praise God. Come on, stop praising God for superficial stuff. Yes, praise him for the house and praise him for the car. But your greatest worship and your greatest praise need to be that my sins are forgiven, that they've been washed under the blood, that I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, that my name is written in the lamb's book of life. That needs to be your greatest praise. Watch this. Can I tell you something? If you switch your praise, this will keep depression off you. Because if you always are looking for what God can give you and you go through a season like all us do where heaven will stop up on you what do you do then? Can I be honest with you? The body of Christ, not just freedom, the church universally is going through a great falling away right now. People are giving up on God, giving up on church, and they got all kind of excuses. Um, you know, from, you know, the pastors with the jets, I don't have one, um, to, you know, all kind of stuff. We have all kind of reasons why we've fallen away nowadays. And what I'm realizing is somewhere along the way, there was something that was emphasized more than something else. We emphasize a almost get-rich-quick scheme of faith. You come to church, and when the praises go up, blessings come down. So the only time you would see some people praise them is when you said that little cliche. And if your faith got hooked onto a cliche and not on what happened on Calvary, watch this, then you will live in this state of disappointment. I've been coming to church, I ain't married now yet. I've been coming to church and serving on the ministry and I ain't got the money yet. And God has said, you think that's what I saved you for? You think that's what this is all about? Let's get something straight. If I never give it to you, I'm still God. If I never open that door, I still got a plan for your life. And the question becomes, can you trust the plan of God for your life? Or does he always have to perform? See, when you understand justification, you realize what he's already done for you. That I don't have to seek after a blessing. Honey, I'm already blessed. I woke up blessed. I went to work blessed. Gas tank on a quarter and don't know how I'm going to make it the rest of the way. But is there anybody here that say, my gas tank don't determine how blessed I am because I serve a God that will stretch the gas tank. Oh, come on. Is there anybody here that know you serve a God that is good even on your worst day and deserves the praise even when every all seem like all hell is coming against you? I need to take a pause for the cause and find out are there any real Christians in here that say, I'm going to bless him in spite of what life looks like and in spite of circumstances and in spite of my situation. 
situation, he is still worthy to be praised. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Hurry up, Philip. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Got it? For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you are the righteousness of God. That's as strong as y'all ever said it in the history of this church. I want to read this from the Living Bible. Let me read this from the Living Bible, because the Living Bible gave me a totally different perspective on this. Um, the Living Bible puts it like this, which is the actual translation um, when you get down to it. Living Bible of 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then, in exchange, he poured God's righteousness into us. What does that mean? Where did I get my mind to pray? Where, where did I get my mind to stay out the club? I mean, because I was having a good time. Where, where did I get that mind not to drink? Where, where did I get that mind not to live holy? It, it has nothing to do with what the preacher said. It had nothing to do with what my grandmama said. There's something that happened that's deeper. Uh, watch this. It, what does the Bible say? It's the goodness. It's the righteousness of God. That, that sin, the sin was poured into Jesus and, 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 and God's goodness is poured into us. See, I'm not good on my own. I got to have God to be good. He took my desire to sin and he gave me a desire to righteousness. And even when I want to sin, goodness, the righteousness of God takes a stand against it. Aren't you glad that sometimes when you go to do the dirt that you do, there's something on the inside of you that don't make you comfortable in it that you don't feel good about it come on am I talking to any real people that say there's a level of conviction that hits your life that sometimes you go back and apologize and a person talking about, I don't even know what you're talking about well honey it didn't sit right with me that's the goodness of God the righteousness of God that's working in me to make me do stuff I wouldn't do on my own I wouldn't come to church if I didn't feel good on my own I wouldn't serve on the ministry when people get on my nerves on my own has to be something greater than me in order for me to be able to do that. And what is that? The righteousness of God. Justification, if you want to give it a different terms, means just if I'd never sinned. It's basically what justification means. Just if I had never sinned. Go to Romans 5, verse number 1 and 2. Romans 5. Romans 5, verse number 1 through 2. Romans 5, verse number 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Uh, justification is a judicial verdict of not guilty. All right? It means I am not guilty. And while they are calling out my charges and getting ready to sentence me, Jesus uh, shows his open hand and shows the nail-scarred hands and it covers my sins. And God says, watch this, you are now free, catch this, forever. 
It is a legal transaction that happens that stands forever. Somebody say forever. There, why, 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 where I get that from? There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Do you see that? So it is a legal standing forever. Forever. Justification means that I am quitted of the verdict of condemnation. And then God credits us with the righteousness of Christ. He declares us to be righteous. When we believe uh, all that Christ is, God puts into our account. That's why we stand acquitted. And it's not based on what I did. It is what Jesus, uh, it is what Jesus did that secured my acquittal. And I am justified forever. Okay? Um, why is it important to understand that we are justified? This doesn't mean that we don't sin again. We do sin, and we suffer the consequences of those sins here on earth, but there is no condemnation eternally. This should give us confidence with our relationship with God. In other words, there's nothing that can get you out of my hand is what God is saying. You can twist, you can turn, but you're still in my hand. You can act crazy, you can say it's all over, but you're still in my hand. You still belong to me. There is no, what, what do we call in our terms, there is no double jeopardy. You can't be charged twice for the same crime. Watch this. You can't be tried twice for the same crime. And that's what God is saying. There's no double jeopardy. I can't, I can't say you're not guilty and then you stand before me one day and say, well, you know, when I said that, you know, I really meant up until you did X, Y, and Z. No, God is saying it stands forever. Do you get that? All right, so the first benefit is justification. Here, I'm going to the next one. I'm going quickly. Number two is regeneration. Regeneration, R-E-G-E-N-E-R-A-T-I-O-N. Regeneration, R-E-G-E-N-E-R-A-T-I-O-N. Everybody say regeneration. Regeneration literally means, here we go, born again. born again. So our rebirth is distinguished from our first birth. Because when, because when we were originally born in the flesh, uh, we were conceived physically and we inherited what? Our sin nature. We got it from our daddy and his daddy and his daddy and his daddy's daddy. Okay? But the new birth is a spiritual, holy, and heavenly birth that results in our being made alive spiritually. So I want you to listen. Watch this word, regeneration. I want you to hear something out this word, regeneration. Regen regenerate. Regenerate. You got some new genes now. You have been born again, not born of the flesh, but born of the spirit. And because you have been born again, you now have some new genes. You have a new nature going on the inside of you. That's why it's a war. Because you got the old nature fighting with the new nature. It's a war going on the inside of you. You ever sat up there and just, was just mad and happy all at the same time? I mean, didn't you just feel crazier than a $2 bill? I mean, just, just as crazy as can be? Because you got them two natures going on, and it's a war on the inside of you. Man in his natural state is dead in trespasses and sins until he is made alive, regeneration, by Christ. This happens when he places his faith in Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Peter 1, 22. 1 Peter 1, 22. 
regenerated. You get new genes. You get a new gene. You get a God gene. You get a spiritual gene now. 1 Peter 1, 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse number 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Regeneration means, watch this, it is a radical change. Radical change. Just as our physical birth resulted in a new individual entering into the earthly realm, our spiritual birth results in a new person entering into a heavenly realm. Okay? Go to Ephesians 2, verse number 6. So you are justified, declared, not guilty, and now you are regenerated, regenerated. You have a new gene, new nature. You are born of the spirit now. Ephesians 2, verse number 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Here's what I need you to understand about that text. If you get a chance, I love Ephesians. Ephesians is just, I mean, it is so eloquent in how Paul wrote Ephesians. It is amazing when you read it. The richness of the text of what he says, what God does for you. Being that, watch this, he says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Paul is referring to our status with God forever. If we have been raised with Christ, it means that God sees us in his son. Let that sink in just for a minute. You ready for this? In other words, stop, stop living beneath who you are in Christ. Raise yourself up. Watch this. Because you have been raised up with Christ. So when he sees Christ, he sees us in Christ. The King James Version puts it like this. It says he has raised us in heavenly places. It means it is an exalted place in God's economy. You know what I've discovered about the saints? We look at ourselves too low. We look at ourselves through defeat. We look at ourselves through bondage. We look at ourselves through brokenness. We look at ourselves through depression. We look at ourselves and we take who we are from those labels as if that's who we are. And God is saying, don't you realize I raised you up in heavenly realms. There are some things, you catch this, that should be beneath you by now. Watch this. Catch this. I need to dig this out. It is the, he says, I, it is an exalted place in God's economy. It is the place of God's favor on us. So when I look this up. When it said that you are resurrected, that, I'm sorry, that you are elevated, that you, that you, he raised you up to that place, this place of favor, write this down. Three things are happening. You are resurrected, you are exalted, and you are seated. You are resurrected, you are exalted, and you are seated. Okay. been using a long time. Just lay down here on the ground. 
lay down here on the ground. Praise the Lord. Just lay down here on the ground. All right. Uh, get on the stage so they can see you. All right. Thank you. Sorry about that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Watch this. He says, watch this. Number one, you are resurrected. Why are you resurrected? Because you are dead in trespasses and sin. So God is saying, watch this, when you are regenerated, when you are born again, when you are born of the Spirit, watch this, I have to raise you from death to life. Okay? So I have to resurrect you. Why? Because Jesus got up. And because I see you in him, when he got up, you got up too. Okay? So number one, you are resurrected. Now get up. Now you are alive in Christ Jesus. Your spirit is alive now. You ain't dead no more. This is why, watch this, when you are resurrected, that this is why now you have this struggle on the inside of you because now you got this new nature that's trying to battle against your old nature. You got the new man trying to battle against the old man. You got, you got one side of you that want to tell the truth and you got the other side of you that want to tell a lie. You got one side that want to say, um, you know, I'll give you your money back and you got the other side saying they don't need it. Touch your neighbor and say, give me my money back. Give me my money back. Watch this. <laughs> so he's resurrected you. Watch this. Not only did he resurrect you, but now you are exalted. Okay? Exalted. Jesus Christ is the exalted one. Okay? He is the one that, watch this, now because of his position, there are some benefits that come to being exalted. Okay? Let me, let me break it down like this. Um, a couple weeks ago, last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was, um, 45 went over to England. Okay, he went to go see my grandmother. <laughs> I tell y'all, I'm related to that woman some, some type of way. And watch this. And they had reports out that said, catch this, that they had all this pomp and circumstance, but none of the, none of the, the kids, none of the grandkids wanted to take a picture with them. So you will not find one picture where they're both in the same picture together. Watch this. And also, when he went over there, he had to stay in a hotel. He could not stay at Buckingham Palace. They would not allow him to. Watch this. Because they said it's under renovation. Let me help you. Let me help you. I have been to London, England. I have stood in front of Buckingham Palace. The White House compared to the Buckingham Palace looked like a shack. It looked so teeny compared to Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace has about 200 bedrooms. Catch this. But there was no place. They said, you ain't staying up in here. Watch this. Because even though you might have the position we will not legitimize you because we don't respect you. God help me. And when God exalts you, the demon might not like your position, but he got to respect you because you've been exalted to a heavenly place. You just missed what I just said. That's why some of you need to understand your authority that you've been exalted with Christ. That's why you can tell the devil you got to back up because you don't know who I am. There's something that God put on me that got some power behind it. Am I talking to anybody in here that got some power? you've been exalted you're letting the demon beat you up what's wrong with you you've been exalted you ain't got to go stay in the hotel you in the house okay watch this so number one you are resurrected 
Number two, you are exalted. Catch this. Now, number three says, you are seated. Thank you. Now, it's amazing, this seated. This thing messed me up. Because if you're seated, that means you ain't that bothered. If I'm seated, that means I'm relaxing. I'm chilling. I'm sitting here. The Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. He's seated. He did his job. He sat down. I'm good. The devil is taken care of. Everything is under control. I handled it all. So I'm seated. Why are you stressing yourself out? When God is saying, because you've been regenerated, watch this, you should be seated in the heavenly realm. You should just sit with your legs crossed and say, I don't care what's happening in my life. God got everything under control. God help me. See, take the stress off yourself and realize who you are worshiping and who you are serving. You serve the king of kings and the lord of lords. You serving the one that can snap his finger and everything change in a moment. You serve the one that can speak one word over your life and everything changes in your life. So why are you stressing and straining? So what you ain't got no money? I serve a God that, that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. So what? They gave you a bad report. I serve a God that can heal all matter of diseases so what your boss is getting on your nerves I serve a God that can make my enemies my footstool so what am I going to do I'm going to sit down and not worry about it because I got a God that already worked it out is there anybody in here that say I ain't stressing and straining in this season of my life I'm seated in heavenly realms because I know that God got everything under control in my life give your neighbor a high five and tell him it's under control it's under control I ain't got to stress I ain't got to strain I ain't got to go crazy I ain't got to fall to pieces. I ain't got to let my hair fall out. I can stand flat footed and see the salvation of the Lord going on in my life. Is there anybody in here that can give God just a little bit of praise because you know that everything is under control. And he says all this happened because you've been regenerated. Because you've been regenerated. Not because you prayed five prayers. Because you've been regenerated. Watch this. We need regeneration because when we are, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry, I was going to leave you up there. Thank you. Y'all give it up for Abram. Give it up for Abram. Thank you, Abram. All right. When we are, when we need regeneration because we, when, because when we are born again, we begin to see and hear and seek after divine things. You can't understand divine things. You can't see divine things. You can't um, hear divine things unless you are born again. This is why. Now, I'm, I'm getting tight right through here, to be honest with you, because now there's a delineation, because there's some people who's confessing God that don't really know him. Because how is that we can say spiritual things to you and you still don't get it? The Bible says he hides those things from those who are, he, 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 he can't unveil those things to those who are his, who can't see it, because they're not spiritual. See, when you got a spiritual eye, you can look at your bank account and say, it's going to be all right. And while other people are falling apart, you see something going on in the spirit. That happens through regeneration. See, this is where the rubber meets the road right through here. This is where you got start to see, okay, wait, uh, is, are, are we really saved or not? Because when, when you are born again, it's so that you can see, hear, and seek after divine things. We begin to live a life of faith and holiness. 
You can't believe spiritual things until you are spiritually born again. You can't live a spiritual life until you are spiritually reborn. Christ has to be formed in your hearts so that you can be partakers of the divine nature, having been, been made new creatures. It don't work no other way. So you know you are saved by the fact that you hear spiritual things, that you see spiritual things, that you have a level of understanding of spiritual things. Don't mean you get it all, but it means you understand, hey, something else going on right now. Regeneration is necessary because the sinful human flesh cannot stand in God's presence. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. I was going to read John the third chapter, but I don't have time for that. Write that down, John 3. Go back and read that. That's the conversation between uh, Jesus and Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Physical birth fits us for earth, but spiritual rebirth fits us for heaven. You can't go to heaven unless you've been born again, unless you have been born of the spirit.